sleep, exercise, food, stress management, community support, and you know avoidance of risky substances. So if we go through those six and we at least focus on those and we live our lives by that from the very beginning, then we will move through this in a little bit of a different way. Hi, I'm Zoe. Hi, I'm Erica. Hey, Erica. This is our podcast. Well, what do we do on the podcast? Uh, we talk to wellness experts. Well, what do we talk about? Mm, wellness stuff. And why are we doing this? Because we want to have an inclusive conversation about things that you can actually use and apply to your life. Right. We don't think that wellness should feel preachy. We think it should feel like everybody can participate. That's right. So if you like what you hear, tell a friend. Give us five stars. They're do all free. All of the above. All of the above. And think of us as your navigators on the bumpy highway to well. We were talking about how it's been a year. It's been one year. Everyone's hanging on by a thread. Mm -hmm. Good recap. Thanks. Everyone's hanging up. Yeah. I feel like it's safe to say that we're all experiencing a bit of burnout, whether it's from your family, your children, your spouse, your work, your lack of employment, your health. It's just like all of these things. We're just Uncertainty about the future, physical exhaustion, all of those things. It's burnout. But so we talk about the burnout all the time. And what we don't talk about is the people who are like behind the scenes making sure that our burnout is managed or our health is managed. But in the meantime, like they're the ones who are suffering. We're talking about the community of physicians and like the doctors and nurses and heroes of the last year who are like, I mean, we've all, we, we know that they're unsung heroes, but I think um, you have to actually take a minute and think about like really what they're actually, what they've been experiencing. And so our guest today was um, Dr. Michelle Thompson, and she is a physician who she herself is kind of like taking it upon herself to help that whole community of healthcare professionals because they're basically, it's like a ripple effect. And there, I mean, she shared some stats about like the, the, the suicide rate among physicians. It's like 400 a year, which is absolutely insane and upsetting and disturbing. And so she, the work that she's doing is this movement about self-care as healthcare. Here's the deal. She basically does a great job showing physicians how to put on their own oxygen mask first. Yes. And that, is uh, no joke um, because they can't help themselves. They can't help us. So, I mean, truly doing God's work. Yes. I know you like to use that phrase a lot, but I feel like... I, I think maybe it's confusing people into thinking that I'm quite religious when in fact I'm not. Which you're not. But in this case, I do think it applies because I think that it is like truly the act of selflessness in that like she herself is exhausted and burned out, but she is still to your point and to the example she gave, putting on her own, putting on the oxygen mask that she needs in order to continue to help others. And I feel like it's just one of those things that's like, it's right under our noses, but you know, next time you go to the doctor, which will probably be soon because we all are going to the doctor a whole lot right now for whatever it is. I don't know, I guess like take a moment and maybe just say like, how are you? And mean it and allow them the space to say, I'm fine, or, you know, it's been a hard year or whatever it is. I just think it's like one of those awareness raising movements that is important and, and good to keep in mind because they are people too. Not all heroes wear capes. No, they wear scrubs. 
All right. Well, let's have a listen. I think she's, yeah, she's fascinating. She's got some good stuff to, to say. So, um, have a listen. Enjoy. Hey, guys. So you may have figured out by now that Zoe and I are huge fans of functional mushrooms. And that's because their benefits are legit from increasing focus and concentration to helping you sleep and probably most importantly, providing incredible support for your immune system. And yes, that is actual science. You can check it out on our blog at earthandstar.com. But who doesn't need a little bit of extra immune support right now if we're being honest? But anyway, the most important thing for you to know actually is that you have to have these fabulous fungi in your system every day in order to reap the benefits. So Earth and Star, our new brand, is making it as easy as possible for you to get the amazing benefits of functional mushrooms every day. Like if you've got a serious cold brew habit, there's a can for that. If you love your afternoon matcha latte, then we've got you covered there. And if you're not like G-Love and you're not feeling the cold beverages, then how about a totally delicious dark chocolate bar that also helps you increase focus and concentration while satisfying your sweet tooth. And it pairs super well with red wine. So we at Earth and Star have created as many ways as possible to help you elevate your everyday routine because we are not asking you to add another pill or a powder to your very busy schedule of supplements. We just want it to be as easy and absolutely delicious as possible for you to get some mush love into your life. So check us out at earthandstar.com and get 15% off your first order with the code HTW. Hello. Um, well, we're so happy to meet you face to face, even if it's not live in person. And thank you so much for making time out of what we know is an incredibly busy schedule of helping people who help people. Um, and we were actually talking earlier about how like, it's just so fitting that we're going to do a conversation about burnout because we're both feeling completely just <laughs> done and happy it's Thursday, but really wish it was Saturday. So yeah, thanks. Welcome, Dr. Michelle yeah. Thompson Olson. Yeah, yeah. So um, the Olson is on there because of my husband. It makes him smile, um, but you can just call me Thompson. Okay. <laughs> like publicly. Yeah, it gets a little bit mixed up. For a while, I was like, okay, the Olson. And then I was like, all right, honey, it's getting confusing. <laughs> Got it. No problem. So I do. It's there, but you can just call me Dr. Michelle Thompson. Okay. Then. Dr. Michelle Thompson. If ever you see him, throw the Olson on. <laughs> It'll make him smile. You should never call him Mr. Thompson, which people oh, do to my husband that. all the time. They call him Mr. Huss and it is infuriating. That's to mine too, yeah. And yeah. he's like, he's so used yeah. to it. That's cute. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. So women of power, right? Exactly. Yeah. We need it. I just heard that number today. Like, uh, you know, since COVID, since the pandemic, it was like 2.5 million women have had to leave the workforce. And how are we going to reverse that quickly? <laughs> I mean, that number was so shocking and upsetting to hear. Yeah. Well, uh, so many of them won't go back at all. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, hopefully, some for another day. We're here to talk about. <laughs> well, we're here to talk about burnout because we read the really very moving and fascinating piece in the Times a few weeks ago that featured you and the work that you're doing as a doctor, helping other doctors to 
kind of just get themselves back into, I mean, it, it's, it's something that feels like it's been right under our noses all along, but it's something that we feel like really needs some attention, which is, you know, this is the, the entire community of people who have never been under more pressure to help and have answers and have solutions and that type of pressure. I mean, I can't even imagine what that feels like in those shoes, let alone having seen what they've seen. So we wanted to have you come and share a little bit about the work that you've done and how you kind of got to where you are. And we'd love to just hear your story and and share it. Yeah. So... You know, I, I guess I never signed up for this. This is sort of one of those things that just happened in life. And um, I really, uh, I decided back in 2016, after I heard of four physicians that died, died in one month, that I was going to jump out and really just start to talk about self-care. Because I do, I am an integrative and lifestyle family medicine physician. And I was doing all this work for my community, but I was thinking to myself, my colleagues are suffering. And so how do I help my colleagues when they're not coming to any of the community programs that I'm doing? And I thought I need to do something specifically for my colleagues because typically physicians don't fraternize with the lay people because they don't want to admit that they have any problems. So it was really, it was really um, a scary time for me to say that I was going to step out and do this work with my colleagues. But I felt like um, I needed to be brave enough because if I saved only one life, then it, it meant everything to me. So I did my very first program called Stop Physician Burnout in 2016. And I did a didgeridoo-guided meditation journey at a medical staff meeting. Cool. And yeah, so um, the physicians kind of looked at me like I had 12 heads. And some of them sat with their arms folded, just like looking at me like, why am I here? But I'm getting my continuing education credit, so I'll sit here. And then some of them, you know, you could kind of see that they were, they were thinking maybe, maybe I should try this whole breathing thing <laughs> and quieting my mind and relaxing. And, yeah. and maybe I'll give this a whirl. And so nobody said anything to me. I remember driving home and thinking, oh, goodness, like, wow, you know, this is really kind of a... I didn't know how anybody felt afterwards. Nobody said anything. And then the next day, several physicians reached out to me and said, thank you so much. That was the first moment that I actually like sat in stillness and quiet. And I like focused on my breath and I really just kind of came into the present space and, you know, wasn't thinking about what I didn't do and what I'm going to do. And I was really just present and, and it felt good. And, you know, I mean, I, so then that kind of gave me the passion to just do a little bit more. Um, so I created a program called Doctors in the Kitchen, Food as Medicine, and started teaching them how to eat healthy. And I put mindful eating in there in the very first one because, you know, how can we at least institute a little bit of mind, mindfulness in our day? Well, we all have to eat, right? So can we just do um, uh, mindful eating? Can we slow down and can we you know, eat a little bit more slowly and not just eat on the run and eat in the car and grab food and run and, you know, grab a bar and walk through the hospital in between patients. And um, so I I taught them, you know, mindful eating, you know, coming into their senses and using their, their sight and their sound and their smell and their taste and their breath and, you know, really coming into that present space because, you know, as physicians, we know that, you know, the science behind all of this is that, we are in sympathetic overdrive when we are go, 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 go. But what we want to move to when we rest and digest is parasympathetic. And I think, unfortunately, as physicians, you're not taught to rest 
you're taught to keep going. And you're not taught to say that you have, and you, that you can't do something. You, you're taught that you could do anything. You know, you are superhuman. Um, and if you say no to something, then that's admitting defeat. And, you know, it's, it's that kind of gladiator training that we go through, like, you know, go, 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 go. And so what I tried to do is start to break down those barriers. Like, you know, we too need to slow down. We too need to breathe. We too need to stop and take care of ourselves. And by taking care of ourselves, that is taking care of patients. And we are not superhuman. We are human. And we really want to um, take better care of ourselves so that we can take better care of our patients and our families, you know, and, and it's honestly, we owe it to our families. They love us. They care about us. Right. And so if we're not taking care of ourselves, how are we taking care of, how are we taking care of anybody? Really? If we're not taking care of ourselves, if we put ourselves on the line and we hurt, hurt ourselves. So um, that's kind of where the, the doctors in the kitchen piece came in and, you know, and that was fun. That was also CME and we had more fun there. They said, so, you know, we served wine. So we drew them in that way, like we'll have food and wine and we can eat together and have that camaraderie. And then, um, then I created a full physician wellness day where we actually started to dive into some more modalities like, you know, mind body medicine and shaking and dancing and soft belly breathing and Tai Chi and yoga and Qigong and sound therapy and really just, you know, giving them some other tools, guided imagery, you know, um, that, that are all very foreign to us. And also along the way, teaching the science. So not just this is woo-woo, you know, here we're going to talk about this whole breathing thing, you know, like the science behind that and how that, you know, that breath work that, you know, relaxes your diaphragm and activates the vagus nerve, which moves you from sympathetic into parasympathetic and why that's beneficial and why we can't survive in sympathetic overdrive and, and all of those different things. Um, so that was the whole physician wellness, you know, day that I created. And, and I also did a nursing wellness piece for the nurses, again, keeping them separate from the physicians because physicians, you know, need their space and nurses need their space. So um, with that along the way, I guess I was really uh, called to do more with the residents and the medical students. And, the, you know, so that's just where this all began. And I don't know. I mean, well, I guess my, I mean, it's when I hear these stats, you know, with doctors and uh, there were some in the article, but the, the question for me is just immediately like, is this an American thing? Like how are physicians no. coping? No, this is, this is, no, this is a worldwide, I mean, this is global. This is, you know, um, some of the physicians that I've worked with are from India, from Colombia, from, I mean, and, and the center for mind body medicine you know, the trainings, when they all went online, they're from worldwide. I mean, all the physicians that are coming in. So it's really powerful. This whole pandemic has been very stressful for, for physicians, but it's also been wonderful to connect all of us across the globe. So um, we are all in a global trauma. So not just the physicians. I mean, physicians by nature, were already suffering trauma by being a physician in healthcare. But then you add a pandemic onto it and it's almost crushing and, you know, you can't sustain the, the rigors of the work and the stress and the frustration that you're, you're withstanding from dealing with not having what you need to care for people. 
let alone, you know, you're not really caring for yourself along the way. So you're sleep deprived and you're food deprived, nutrition deprived, because maybe you're only sleeping a few hours a night because you're stressed about the day you had or the day you're about to have, or you're not eating well because you don't have time. Right. Um, you know, you're not doing your self-care because exercise, because you don't have time and you're exhausted. So it leads to this vicious cycle. Um, and it's really what's so kind of concerning and, and upsetting is, you know, you think about these these, this handful of industries where in so many ways, other people's lives are in the hands of people. I'm thinking of physicians, obviously, physicians and nurses, and then pilots and truck drivers. These are all people who we ask to physically exert themselves in ways that you know they, their, their focus has to be 150% on and accurate all the time because the lives of so many others are in their hands, yet they're the ones who are consistently sleep deprived, consistently malnourished, consistently not getting the exercise and just general physical wellness that they need. Um, and you know, the truck drivers and pilot example aside, with physicians, I mean, it really makes me wonder, is this like, is this a nature or nurture thing? Like, do you, do you, are you sort of already made of something in that, that real sense of just, you know, a, a sort of aesthetic stoicism and, and that's kind of what encourages you to go into a field like this? Or is it like once you get there, you realize what it's going to take and you kind of have to shut down your systems and make sure that you will just continue to be okay with abusing your system this way? Yeah. I mean, you just gave me goosebumps because it's a little bit of both. I think it takes a, a certain kind of person to go into the field and to withstand the rigors of, you know, applying for a spot that there's not that many spots that are available for, you know, for medical school and then residency. And then they become cutthroat with one another because you're trying to apply for, you know, you're against each other, you know, you're pitting each other and it becomes this very competitive nature. So then you are trained to, you know, you can't tell somebody that they're going to die and break down. You can't be crying. You know, you can't go to the bedside of somebody and, and keep, you've got to keep it together. So what do you do with those emotions? Well, you stuff them in. You stuff them in this drawer. You stuff them in this drawer. You stuff them in this drawer. And then at one point, when you take two steps back, either if you, if you do have somebody that helps you come to the awareness of all of that, then you start to open those drawers and take a peek in and go, gosh, what's going on in there? Or you kill yourself or you have a mental breakdown. I mean, many physicians that I know have had hospitalizations due to mental breakdown. You know, the, the New York Times article um, was something that has really opened up a lot of communication. A physician reached out to me. He had been hospitalized from a suicidal attempt and um, wanted to kind of, you know, be involved with some of the work that I'm doing. And, and that's exactly why I did the piece, you know, when they asked me, is it uncomfortable as a physician to step up and step out and start to talk about self-care being important? Absolutely. Why? Well, because we're not taught to talk about self-care. We're taught to, to keep on going, you know? So it's just trying to change the culture of medicine. Mm -hmm. And so when I went to the when I went to the school and talked to the students, it was really a, a unique opportunity when you have 200 students and you're getting them at the very beginning. Instead of trying to undo everything that's been done, I've been in medicine for 16 years um, in practice, like 19 if you count residency. Uh, so. And that was back when we didn't have the work hour restrictions and everything that's in place now. I mean, we used to work 100-hour work weeks and you wouldn't go home. 
You know, my family, my husband and son stay in the call room with me. I mean, I'm from that era when I, my, they visited me in the hospital. That's why they call it residency, right? You take on your residence in the hospital. You essentially go home every three days back then. So we're trying to change that. And that, you know, like it's slow moving to try and make these changes because people need cared for and that's the other piece of it, right? So who's going to do it? We don't have enough residency spots to, you know, have physicians. We have a physician shortage. You know, if if we don't, it's a balance of how do you have enough to take care of the people and not kill people taking care of the people, right? (laughs) You know, it's really hard to juggle all of that. So why don't we have, well, for us, that question, I guess what, just going back to the, you know, the time where you spoke to these students very early on in the beginning, I mean, what do you, what do you tell them? To go in eyes wide open. And so, you know, Dr. Pamela Weibel is a big proponent for this work as well. And she has the physician suicide hotline that she has. And, you know, the big thing that she talks about is informed consent. As physicians, when you go into healthcare, nobody tells you what you're signing up for. I mean, and and most of the time they're young. You know, I was 22 when I started medical school. So, what? Remember when you were 22? Are you ladies 22 already? I don't know how old you are, but let me know how it is. I can't wait to get there. (laughs) So, I mean, at 22, you don't really know a lot, right? Like. You don't know. And so with, nobody says, hey, you're signing up to work this much. You're signing up to shove all your emotions in a drawer. You're signing up to miss your meals and to be in a surgery that's eight hours long and, and not be able to eat. You're signing up to not go to the bathroom for crying out loud when you have to go to the bathroom or to you know go for 36 hours without sleeping. Nobody tells you all that. So there's a big shift in really trying to have informed consent in what we're signing students up for. And then, so that was my take is, okay, here's where you are. This is what you signed up for. And this is how you can care for yourself in mind, body, and spirit. From the very beginning, we tap into sleep. The the pillars of lifestyle medicine, sleep, exercise, food, stress management, community support, and, you know, avoidance of risky substances. So if we go through those six and we at least focus on those, and we live our lives by that from the very beginning, then we will move through this in a little bit of a different way. Mm-hmm. And as physicians, when you adopt those six pillars, they roll into your family, they roll into your patients, they roll into your colleagues because yeah. they're seeing that. And they're saying, oh, look, you know, that doctor is a little bit happier and healthier. And, you know, somehow they're managing to juggle. Maybe I should look at that whole sleep thing instead of saying, Oh, I haven't slept for three days and be being proud of that. Have you know, be a badge that, of honor. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And and you know, I admitted this many patients. Oh, I admitted this many patients. Or, you know, I mean, that's not really where it should be. Yeah. Well, I guess it's 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 not comforting. I don't know what the word is, but going back to Zoe's earlier question to know that this is not a uniquely American problem. It's like, okay, this is the first time that it- it's not something that our broken system is responsible for so much as the global system. Can you coin it? Can you coin this and just it's burnout without borders? Burnout without borders. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm writing this down. Burnout without borders. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the book. It's true and it's sad. And, you know, we'll take, uh, Zoe can have a a commission on your branding rights when when you publish that. 
you know, I, I, I'm also sitting here thinking about the pillars that you mentioned and what the sort of the general, um, you know, the, we talk all the time about the, the divide between Western and Eastern medicines and practices and how, you know, nobody's, nobody's putting down Western medicine in this, in this camp. We're, we're certainly very happy look, you know, vaccines are coming out of Western medicine and, and you can't meditate your way out of COVID and, and all right. of that. And, you know, when you have broken limbs and, and car accidents, like this is what, why we have it. But the, the Eastern modalities and practices that could certainly take the place of, say, like the pharmaceutical, um, we, you know, kind of channel uh, of Western medicine where, you know, instead of taking a pill to fix what ails you, which then creates another ailment that you have to take a pill for, we're obviously all in the camp of, you know, prevent what's going to potentially ail you in the first place by addressing these pillars, by keeping yourself in better overall form. But it does kind of beg the question of, I know that there certainly has to be an attitude of, you know, what you mentioned earlier, like some of this is woo-woo. Like what, there has to be some clash at, at, at certain levels of the physicians feeling like, no, we're in this business because, you know, science is, you know, creates cures and creates, you know, um, uh, technologies that, that heal and that fix and pharmaceuticals are, are here for, for these reasons. So do you get pushback? I mean, do you get the people that are kind of just like, this is not for me and I'm going to just stick to my, you know, 1950s diet and, and if at all, if you even call it a diet and, and like how many people, how many times do you pass a hospital where you see nurses and doctors coming outside for a cigarette break, which is just like, I mean, I know they're human too, but. Yeah. Yeah. So absolutely. I get pushback, which is why I came into this and I should, I should backtrack a little bit and say that I went into medical school with an Eastern flair. So I, uh, my background is I ran a massage therapy school in 1998, um, Great Lakes Institute of Technology and Erie PA. What, while I was in Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine. So I had this Eastern flair mixed with Western medicine from 1998. That's when that all began. So, and then osteopathic medicine in general is very mind, body, spirit, and you're learning how to do um, all of that. So I came out very different. I did all of my electives in integrative or complementary medicine. That's changed over time, right? So it used to be called complementary medicine. It used to be called um, alternative and then complementary and then integrative. And I actually got board certified in it, which is all science-based. And, and that's the part, you know, there is a lot of science out there. And there's a documentary that I'm actually in coming out called Going Ohm, O-M, and it is all on sound therapy and how that is actually incorporated into each and every one of our lives. We all use sound. Um, and sound has been used in healing for many, many years. And so I started using sound in my own life and, and in my own patients and my own you know, use of self-healing you know, techniques with physicians because sound and vibration and things like that are uh, kind of training wheels to get you into deeper mod modalities of meditation and you know, it's, it kind of carries you in. It allows you that like distraction and sound can actually move through your body and help to op open up tight spaces and stuck spaces. So absolutely, that is always a big thing. So every lecture I give is science-based. So, you know, there's always, you know, the mind-body medicine, here's the science behind it. Food as medicine, here's the science behind it. There's always a rebuttal for the diet or, you know, diet in quotes. I say diet, but it's not. It's 
it's food choices. And I can, I always encourage my patients to be a nutritarian, really to just um, think about your food as nutrients instead of your food as just, you know, shoving something down the hatch to keep you going. And so nobody can argue with me that fruits and vegetables are actually better for you than, you know, a bowl of Fruit Loops. So if they want to try to throw down on that, I will give them all the <laughs> science behind all that. I thought sugar is sugar. <laughs> your sugar is sugar one more time. I'm going to like flip a table. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and, and really, you know, when we start teaching food as medicine, it's just really the, the whole science behind the phytonutrients and things that you can get, uh, the vitamins, minerals. You know, as physicians, though, back to what you were saying, we're taught, here's hypertension, here's a pill, here's diabetes, here's a pill, here's hyperlipidemia, here's a pill. So I don't fault physicians for going that route. They don't know any different. That's what medical school taught us. But now that we're actually seeing that there are modalities, you know, you can lower your blood pressure 20 points by breath work, by yoga, by sound therapy, by all these different modalities. Try it. I mean, you don't have to have, um, you know, a double-blinded, randomized controlled trial to just breathe and just see what happens when you breathe. Um, I do breathing work with my patients. I do guided imagery with my patients in the office setting. And every single time they say, wow, that felt really good. You know, I feel so much better now. And then I actually, as the physician, am benefiting from doing that work with the patient. You know, so I may not always be able to do it if I'm running behind, but sometimes I actually will stop and say, I am running behind. I am feeling that stress, you know, in my body. I think it's in my benefit to breathe right now, even if it's just three breaths. So, um, and, and I have an alarm set on my phone every hour on the hour, the alarm goes off. And when it goes off, I ask myself, what do I need in this moment? Do I need to stand up? Do I need to move my shoulders around a little bit because I'm on screens for 12 hours a day? Um, Do I need to do some jumping jacks? And I do it with a patient. I say, this is what I'm feeling like I want to do in this moment. If you'd like to join me and almost always join me, maybe I need to grab a cup of tea or a drink of water. Maybe I need to pee, you know, literally like a basic human thing that we should all be doing that we don't stop to do. And I, at one point in my office um, throughout the past year, it definitely was in this past year, I, I was in there and I said, you know, my alarm just went off and excuse me, I need to use the restroom. Just give me a few minutes. And I thought to myself in that moment, I felt a little bit bad about that. But then I thought, why should I feel bad to have to go to the bathroom? Really? But like, and if they don't like it, they should not come to me. <laughs> Right. Talking about like your your patient, like I'm just trying to think like in the moment, like in the actual minute to minute, day to day experience of being a physician. I'm not talking about like you know you're in the operating room, or you're in the ER or whatever. Like you know it, but yeah, I mean, I guess just in a regular hospital setting, like is there are there moments where you've said to like what is the fear? Like, are you afraid that the that your patient is going to say like, how dare you excuse yourself in my time of need or like, you need to go to the bathroom or you need to go eat a sandwich in front of them. I don't know if that's 
but we're taught but we're taught to not have those basic needs. We're taught to not share our feelings, to not share not, our not even a thought. Like it doesn't even occur to you in that moment. Like, you know what? I'm gonna just time out here and like take a, a minute. Like I'm just I'm trying to understand if it's like what are the repercut like do you, it, people are really mad when you're running behind. So they will sit all day and wait for the cable person to come Yeah, or the appliance repairman, but they will say, I just waited 20 minutes for you. Yeah. And you want to stop and go to the bathroom or take a bite of food? I'm out. Yeah. That's a problem. Yeah. Really. yeah problem. It's a problem. So I think it's a shift in mindset. And so I had to make that decision that if my patients didn't like that, then they don't have to come to me. So I tell every person in the very beginning, I may be running behind, but that could be because I'm giving the person before you my 100% attention. And in that moment, because I really do say, I practice mindful medicine. I am 100% with you. When I'm with you, I'm with you. I'm not distracted in doing this and that. I'm here. I'm listening. I'm attentive to you. And I'm making sure all your questions are answered. When you leave, I say, have I addressed all your concerns? Do you have anything else that I, you know, you need to talk about? Yeah, that's very interesting that you bring that up. I'm trying to understand why that that uh, mindset exists. And I remember even growing up, like I remember going to the doctor, you know, just GP, whatever, with my mom, and we would always wait, always wait with an appointment for in the in the waiting room for like an hour, sometimes more, you know, and that's with an appointment and you know, the understanding, I think on our end, or at least me as a child and like hearing my mom's kind of like huffing and puffing was like, you know, doctor like overbooks their calendar. It was sort of like a burn and churn kind of like um, idea for her. Like you're basically like ticking uh, the dollar signs with every patient who comes in, right? And it's kind of this just like in and out kind of revolving door and they overbook because whatever, just in case someone cancels. Is that, you know, I don't know how true, if at all, that is to you, but like, what is the, what is your feeling on that? Because I know, I don't think that I'm the only one with that perspective. Have you ever had that thought, Erica? Yeah, I was actually thinking very specifically of a gynecologist I used to go to and I think I sent you to her. Yeah, and um, I said, you're crazy because there's no way I'm waiting two hours. To yeah, I would, book, I would book the first appointment of the day and still wait for an hour and a half, which to me, I was like, okay, this goes beyond having a stacked calendar. This is like, this is some ego trip or I don't know what it was. But anyway, yes, I have had that feeling. Well, I, so the problem, remember I said we have a physician shortage, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, so there, therein lies the first part of the problem and especially during COVID. So during COVID, my schedule may have already had 20 people to start. And then you're getting a phone call that this person has COVID and that person has COVID. And next thing you know, you've got 10 people with COVID that need appointments. Where do you put them? Where do you put them? Because you're already full because there's a shortage of physicians across the world. So because, because either one, they kill themselves. Two, they're not going into the field because they hear how terrible it is. Yeah. Three, they just, you know, there's not enough spots. I mean, maybe, I, I don't know. We, we definitely have a physician shortage problem. So it is a juggling. Yeah. Is that number going, is it going down? People entering this field or is it like, is it like on a rapid decline or is it, it already on a decline or is COVID? 
So one thing I know for sure is that we don't have enough residency spots to train physicians that are coming out of school. That's a problem. And why is that a problem? Well, because a lot of times physicians don't want to teach anymore because physicians are tired and it takes a lot to teach. So I actually started, I I pulled myself out and went virtually in March, you know, right when the pandemic started. I I was actually chair of medicine at that that moment. I'm currently now vice chief of staff for UPMC Horizon and Jameson. But when I pulled myself out, I pulled myself out so that I could kind of get my bearings and know how I was going to manage helping all my colleagues go virtual and then how I was going to manage all my patients. And then how I was going to take care of myself and not lose myself in this whole, what I knew was going to be a long haul. It wasn't going to be a sprint. It was going to be a marathon. And then how I was going to be able to figure out how to teach, continue to go back into teaching because I teach a lot. I have, you know, residents, medical students, interns with me. So once I got that piece figured out, I went back in in May and I'm, I'm teaching on a virtual platform. So one thing that COVID has been wonderful for me is that I have opened up a virtual platform where my residents or anybody, student um, or intern can be with me from anywhere. So, you know, UPMC is across New York, Maryland, and Pennsylvania. And so I can have a student, I had a student in Buffalo, New York who was with me virtually on the screen seeing patients. That's powerful. So, you know, that will be helpful. That's one thing that's coming out of COVID that is going to be helpful. We'll be able to teach more. We'll be able to maybe, possibly, hopefully, open up more residency spots and and figure out how to work this. Um, UPMC, we're actually on the cutting edge of opening a lifestyle medicine residency program. We're in the midst of doing that right now. So we'll be teaching physicians from the get-go right out of the gate, self-care, those six pillars we already talked about. I am also uh, board certified in integrative medicine. So I add in things like, you know, the art therapy, the sound therapy, the, you know, herbal, the aromatherapy, the Tai Chi, yoga, Qigong, um, energy work, Reiki, massage therapy, neuromuscular therapy, all of those different modalities, you know, the meditation, mindfulness, guided imagery, mind-body medicine stuff. So that is going to be on virtual platforms so that any of those residents can jump in and join. And that's going to be part of shared medical appointments where we're seeing people more in groups so that people could jump in and be, be getting the community piece that we talked about, right? So That's cool. I like that. Yeah. So, I mean, think about one thing COVID has done is create a lot of social isolation, which is a very poor determinant of health. But if we open up these safe spaces, these, these shared medical appointments, we're creating a community of people that have a like minded interests that want to come in and learn about mindful Mondays or, you know, dark, uh, teaching kitchens on Tuesdays or nutrition or sleep hygiene or, you know, um, guided imagery or mind body medicine. So it's really pretty powerful what we what we've done here, you know, that we have all these platforms that we can jump on and we can connect because it's that community piece that we need. And that was actually what had helped me so much when I joined the, um, Center for Mind Body Medicine Skills Group during the beginning of the pandemic, it was to give myself a space for two hours out of the week. And truth be told, when Dr. James Gordon said to me, Can you commit to two hours a week for eight weeks? I was like, Yes, because you know, I really wanted to be in the group. But I was thinking to myself, can I possibly, can I really give find two hours in my week? And then I thought, 
I really should, right? I should be able to find two hours in my week for myself. And I did. And it was the best gift I gave myself. It really was because I connected with like-minded physicians across the U.S. um, or healthcare workers because some of them weren't physicians. And then that's what actually gave me um, more, I guess, um, ideas to continue through the training and to to start to wrap this into my hospital or bring this into my hospital setting and bring it into my patient care and really, you know, add this as my final tool in my toolbox. I don't know, probably not my final tool, but... (laughs) you know, another certification, which is not my intention. It was really for my own self-care in that moment to take that time for me. So I I am really um, grateful to the Center for Mind-Body Medicine for moving their entire, you know, training into virtual. And I was able to connect and have that for myself. I mean, they've saved tons of lives throughout this. And Dr. James Gordon wrote that book, Transforming Trauma, which then, um, you know, that is based on so many of us have had trauma, childhood trauma in our life. And I, at one point, didn't even believe I had trauma. I was like, oh, these poor people that have had trauma. And then I realized, oh, we all had trauma, really. Yeah. One, especially when we had a pandemic. Not one of us is spared from trauma. It's a global trauma. Right. Right. Which in some ways should suggest... Again, if we're looking at, you know, some of the silver linings and good things to come out of this, that maybe people, you know, the, the, the level of professional, um, the physician, you know, the, that sort of stratosphere that, that medical professionals operate on will become a little bit more honest with themselves about, you know, how much they can really tolerate. And, and hopefully programs like yours and the ones that you're referring actually do have an opportunity to work their way through the system. But I mean, I guess the question for me is, you know, obviously our goal here in having conversations like this is just to raise awareness on, on topics like this. And I, I'm, I, I would be thrilled to know if there are a number of, you know, if there's a community of medical professionals that, that is listening and maybe this is helpful for them to, you know, to kind of become aware of something that they weren't considering before. But how are you going to like how do we make sure that 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 every medical professional is aware of 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 this type of movement of this type of work and and has the opportunity to kind of just be humble in a moment with themselves like what how, how are, what what can we do as like civilians to help to help sort of encourage this because it can only bring good things obviously in the end well you're doing it I mean, thank you for this space. You know, I mean, when you reached out to me, I was just like, absolutely. Why? Because we need to create awareness. You know, if, if one person saves their life because we took one hour to talk about this, you know, that is amazing. But I, I think it's going to be more because it is a movement. You know, I've done it in just hospital systems. I've done it for the Pennsylvania Osteopathic Medical Association. We're now doing full physician wellness symposiums at UPMC, like full day long from eight to five symposiums. During the pandemic, I did a doctor's in the kitchen, like cooking for health. And I mixed mind-body medicine. Every eight weeks, I I did eight different programs in mind-body medicine, trying to get physicians trained in mind-body medicine. Uh, And I opened up a mind-body skills group myself for only physicians. And uh, my first group is already full. I I, I only advertised it a tiny bit and it is full. Um, And so my plan is to continue to do those groups where we meet and we 
connect and have that safe space, that community where we can start to break down some of these barriers, you know, that we should not be talking about our feelings and we, you know, that we too have feelings and we should take time to breathe and, and we should put our own oxygen mask on before putting on the person beside us. You know, we should wake up and think about, you know, every Sunday I also, I look at my schedule and say, what, what am I going to do for myself for the week? And then everything else gets penciled in. I'm always first. Uh, and I taught my son that, you know, my son is going to be 30 this summer. And I, I was, I'm proud of the human that he has become because he does take care of himself as well. And he too, he will remind me to take care of myself if he sees me not doing it. And, and he just recently did that with me over the holidays during the COVID surge. It was so crazy. Um, and he said, mom, stop, let's breathe. And he put on nice music and we started breathing together. And I was like, oh, thank goodness. Like I, Thank goodness he's there for me back. And that was a reminder that we are such an example to our children, to our families, to our patients, to our friends. We, are, we should be the ripple to change the world. So that is what I'm out here trying to do is to just talk about it and get systems to change. So I tell people all the time, if you want to, I actually have a website. It's um, www.bewelltherapies.org. And I have tons of things on my YouTube channel. So if you have any interest whatsoever in looking at that, you can scroll through any of the videos. I did a physician uh, grand rounds for family medicine in um, November, and it was a whole afternoon on physician wellness and, you know, burnout and, you know, nutrition and mind-body medicine and all this. And we did some sound therapy. We did some skills and experiential. So that's all free on my website. And, you know, reach out to me if you want to bring that into your own institution. Play it. Just play it. That's one of the things we've learned over time is just the content's there. It's free for you to use. Just have it. Um, by me doing that, they, the psychiatrists reached out to me and they actually want me to do, I'm doing grand rounds next month for the psychiatry department because they want to learn to do it not just with themselves, but at the bedside with acute psychiatric patients as well as outpatient psychiatric patients. Um, that's powerful, right? Because as when the physician is doing it, the patient is doing it, they're using the tool, they're learning the tool, they're, you know, it's helping everybody. So, you know, I really think that there is a, a huge movement in medicine to, to use lifestyle medicine first. You know, I'm a member of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. I'm a, a part of the um, Women's Health Interest Group. And, and that to me is really important because women by default try to save the world. <laughs> you know, they try to take care of everything in the house and sometimes they lose themselves along the way. Yeah. And so I'm really hopeful that I can not just do this through women's health, but also men's health and just inspire the world to make changes and put yourself, you know, put yourself in the driver's seat of your healthcare and self-care is healthcare. And that's what we have to remember is that self-care, if we're doing all the right things in self-care, we won't need as much healthcare. We won't need as much money spent on medications and on problems and stents and, you know, you know, acute, you know, surgeries that you need. Yes, like you said in the beginning, thank God for drugs. You know, I'm glad we have them during COVID. I'm glad we have 
ways to repair and surgery to repair fractures and things like that. I mean, absolutely. I am a Western medicine fan. <laughs> I am a Western medicine physician, yeah. but let's try to avoid it. I said anesthesia is good. <laughs> it is good. Actually, my partner in my body skills, um, Dr. Sarah Sierra is an anesthesiologist. And so she is wonderful. Um, but you know, one of the movements, uh, the other partner that I have, Dr. Melissa Kerr, she's actually an integrative physical therapist and she's now doing self-care and um, food integrative nutrition with all of her physical therapy patients. And because we've realized that people aren't healing from surgeries because they're not eating well. They're not in the proper mindset. They're not having a positive outlook. They're not working on their stress. They're carrying their stress and, and their weakest spot, which may be their place they're recovering from surgery. Mm -hmm. So we're starting to really start to use, you know, this is bridging across all the different fields. So, and when you put the money in, you know, people will say, well, it's expensive to take care of yourself. You know, I have on my website, a shop with a doc. I go shopping at Aldi and I just take my dietitian and say, come on, let's go through and look at labels and teach people. It's not expensive to eat healthy. I do understand that we have food deserts and we have you know, disparities and, and that. And I'm very sensitive to that and was just on a call this morning working on that and how we can break down some of those barriers. Um, but a lot of times people were going and spending $8 at fast food when they yeah. could have eaten something a lot healthier for a lot less money. And then they don't need to put their money into the pharmacy, you know? So put your money into the produce department instead of at the pharmacy counter. And then you don't have all the side effects that you have from the medications. Because like you said earlier, one drug leads to another drug, leads to another drug, leads to another drug. And next thing you know, you're on 27 pills. And my specialty is truly deprescribing and disease reversal, trying to get people off of medications that traditional doctors may not have known how to, you know, do something a little bit different. So I love that work that I do. I actually did a big lecture last year for United Health Group on deprescribing. Um, how do we get people to backpedal off some of these drugs? And, and the time is here, you know, we're looking at diabetic patients and we're giving them continuous glucose monitors and we're, you know, helping them to do some making sure they're sleeping better because their sugar's better when they sleep better and eating better because there's, you know, their sugar's better when they eat better and managing their stress. Again, when we use those six pillars, just if they have family support, you know, they feel like they belong into a community and they have that. So I think it's really important too that everybody listening realizes that you are your own best healer. And so you have all the tools within you to take care of yourself and you need to dig down deep and figure out what that looks like for you. And what, what that looks like for you is not what that looks like for the next person. So, you know, you ladies are both wearing glasses. If I asked you to switch glasses and look at the world through those glasses, it's different. It's going to be different. So what's right for me is not what's right for you is not what's right for you. And, and when I say that, it's, that's where integrative medicine comes in. There's so many different modalities that we can find that resonate with you. One person may not like sound therapy, but they may love knitting and knitting could be very meditative, yeah. you know, walking meditation. Some person may not like yoga, but they can do earth and grounding and forest bathing and go get lost in the woods and, you know, really just tap into their senses in that sense, you know, of the, the term. And that can also be very good for your health. It also improves your microbiome. I mean, I can go on and on about all the different modalities, but, but the, the true thing we're talking about is 
self-care and that it has to start with the physician so that we can stop with physician you know, burnout and physician suicide and losing physicians out of the field because we're already having a, a shortage. Fine, I'll go to medical school. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Did your son go into medicine? No way. <laughs> no way. Steered him the other way? He, he, no, I, he said no way. He saw what I was doing and he said no way. So, all right. Okay. Well, there's opportunity. I mean, I, I don't have children, but Zoe, you have two. So maybe you can push one in, the, in, in that direction. I mean, yeah, it's true though. You know, the culture really does have to shift. I would never, um, you know, we were talking to like our, our shared chiropractor, Joe Eskenazi, who was saying, you know, like the, when he was, who's a bit older, but he was steered away from um, being a, a doctor because, you know, his, you know, he sort of told his parents he was going to medical school and they're just like, let me ask you something about your future. Like, do you see yourself with a family? what time do you see your day ending? Like, what time would you like to be home? Like, do you want to spend time with your family? Like, why don't you be like chiropractor? Or, you know, kind of like steered him away, like kinesiology or something. <laughs> and so it was, a, it was, you know, it's a very pivotal moment. I don't know, but it's a, it's a legit question. I mean, the sacrifice is real. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we, you know, Eric was talking earlier about all these other professions that are, you know, it's, we ask a lot of, of certain professions, but this, this one is definitely a standalone and not you are, you know, you are helping others um, in a much deeper way. And it gets hard to set boundaries because you think about it, you know, um, if, if somebody calls and they need you, how do you say no? Yeah. And especially if you've taken care of them, you've been part of their life for 16 years. And, you know, I did a house call this week on one of my patients. I was out last week on, a, you know, a vacation of sorts. Um, and I had a house call scheduled. I still do house calls. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was scheduled at the end of my day on Monday. And I got a call that she wasn't doing well. She's hospice on stage. And the family told me she waited until I got back to pass. Mm-hmm. And so was I for sure coming? I said, I'm coming. And I made it to the house. Um, and it was... It was wonderful for me to be able to be there with my patient and her and, you know, and she died less than, you know, 10 hours after that, I think like, well, less than 12 hours, I should say she passed. Um, But how do you tell somebody like that? No, that you can't be there when you've been part of their life. That was already scheduled, but you know, somebody calls you and they need you. It's really hard to say where to draw those lines. So Um, But I think that if you start your day by taking care of yourself and you're doing all the best things you can do to take care of yourself, then if somebody needs you and you break away from that, you at least already put in enough time, right? You've you've taken care of your, your eating healthy. You got in your exercise. I start my day with meditation for the most part. I'll do a, you know, even a five minute or a 10 minute meditation just to kind of center myself. I do find that that helps me to just breathe. Um, And the alarms are helpful for me because it just reminds me to check where am I in this moment, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, I know where I'm physically sitting, but how am I feeling in my body? Mm -hmm. And and I make that connection. And we can all do that. Every single one of us can do that. And that's a good place to start. You can also do, 
washing your hands. You know, physicians wash their hands multiple times a day. So breathe when you're washing your hands. Develop a mantra. May I be safe. May I be well. May I be happy. May I be at peace. Just as you're washing your hands. You know, and say it out loud with your patients. There's no reason that you're, if your patients don't like it, they don't have to come. If you're doing it for you and you're, I mean, my focus this year is self-compassion, self-kindness, self-love. Also, unconditional love and radical acceptance. So I accept you where you're at if you don't like that I need to say a mantra when I'm washing my hands and breathe, you know, and I need to use the restroom. I accept that I may not be for you. (laughs) And I will still love you. I will still love you and say, we'll send you on your merry way if you don't want to be my patient any longer. But I think if we shift the culture to that, then everybody realizes, hey, those doctors are human beings too. Yeah. Similar. Well, yeah. Teachers have a similar problem. I was going to say. Next, there's a are the ones that need the attention. They need better care. They need better salaries. They need to be cared for by our global community way more than than right. we do right now. It's a very stressful time for teachers as well. I mean, I, I do. My heart hurts for them. It's a hard time for every single person on this planet. Let's just you know, let's just own that. You know, just and some days, my goodness, ladies, I get up and I say, you know what? I'm pretty proud that I got out of bed this morning. <laughs> I have two feet on the floor and I am standing upright <laughs> like, because it's a tough world. It really is. It is. But we should make the most of it. Well, we you certainly are. I feel like you're doing the work of like 30 people every single day. So good for you. And- but I love it. I do love it. And I want to say that a lot of times when I'm doing the work that I'm doing, it because I've scheduled it, I'm doing it along with people and it makes, it makes me check in with myself. It gives me accountability. Yeah. So like I, the, the mind body skills group that I'm going to be doing, it is two hours a week for eight weeks. I'm going to be showing up to do that with them. So I'm going to be breathing with them. I'm going to be doing the shaking and dancing, the guided imagery, the, the art therapy drawings and with them. So it's going to slow me down. So yes, it's a time commitment and I have to use my brain to do it, but it's going to be important that, you know, it's giving me that space again. Yeah. Well, I know there's so much more to dig into and there's uh, your, your passion and, and excitement for what you're doing is, is very, it's palpable, which is inspiring. And, and uh, we certainly appreciate that and all of the incredible work you're doing. So. Um, we will absolutely refer people to your site and uh, we just want to thank you and praise you for, <laughs> for, for everything you do and, and wish you the best of luck. And hopefully there's, you know, we're, we're getting closer to the light at the end of this horrible tunnel of the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no praises needed, you know, just um, creating this awareness and sharing this, you know, is, is so powerful and important. So thank you so much for inviting me to be here and if ever I could be of any service to anybody don't hesitate to reach out to me thank you yeah we definitely will thank you so much thanks for listening to HTW if you like what you hear please subscribe and make sure and rate us on iTunes you can even give us five whole stars if you think we deserve it if you have ideas for guests or topics you can call our 1-800 number yes we have a 1-800 number at 
1839 or holler at us on social at HTW Podcast. You can also head to our website at htwpodcast.com for more episode info and check out our Daily Blend blog to see what we're drinking. <laughs>